believe God is speaking a specific message to us individually and our church through this series of messages. And I, I will share a little bit later on with you about how that came about. But if you'll stand with me all over the room right now, we're going to read two verses of Scripture. And we're going to get right into the word that the Lord has for us today. First Chronicles chapter 4, we're going to be reading verse 9 and 10 out of the New King James Version. And the word said, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Today I'm going to preach the first message in a series I have titled Pray It Forward. Today is part one. We're going to be looking at who, what, and why in the prayer of Jabez. If you will, one more time, bow your heads and pray with me and for me today. Father, one more time, we just love you. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you today. We thank you for your presence. God, don't let me speak my words today. Let me deliver your word. Not with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but let your word come forth today in the demonstration of your spirit and with power. God, the Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing, dividing asunder the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. So I pray today that your word would go forth today powerfully and that it would pierce us, that you would speak to us today. God, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do through your word in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Nicholas. Part one, who, what, and why. At the conclusion of our little after Christmas trip that we take every year, this past weekend after having spent quite a bit of time in prayer, particularly throughout the month of December, I spent a lot of time in prayer uh, asking the Lord for vision and direction for this coming year. The only thing that I heard him speaking to me was prayer. Uh, and. That's what I was, I, a couple times I, I even feel like I responded, Lord, that's what I'm doing. I'm praying, asking you to give me vision and direction. And all the Lord spoke back to me was prayer. And I believe that that is part of his direction for this year, that both individually and corporately as a body, we all need to spend more time in prayer. Can I hear an amen? And so last Sunday afternoon, we were making our last stops before headed home. And uh, I found myself standing uh, in a home and office decor aisle, I guess you might say. Uh, I was not just at a TJ Maxx, ladies. I was at a TJ Maxx that also had a home goods under the same roof. Can I get a witness? I know that would just thrill some of you all to death. So men, you know what that means. I was just looking around, killing time. While Angie and Renata were just filling their buggies full. And I was just looking around, killing time. And I was standing in this home office, home and office decor aisle. And I looked up on the shelf and I saw this sign that just simply says, 
pray it forward. And instantly, as soon as I saw that sign, my mind said, what is it? What, what is it? Pray it forward. What is it? And as soon as my mind said that, I immediately heard my heart answer, the kingdom. Pray the kingdom of God forward in 2020. Pray the kingdom of God forward. And I believe that is the assignment that we have as a church for this year. Not pray Freedom Point forward, hello somebody, but pray the kingdom of God forward in 2020. So all of this week I've been searching the scriptures for prayers in the Bible. And there are many, many prayers in the Bible, some of which are rather lengthy, some others which are remarkably brief. And there are even many sermons that have been preached on this topic of prayer in the Bible. Jesus himself preached a sermon and taught us how to pray. Paul and Peter and some of the other apostles have their sermons recorded in the scriptures that on the topic of prayer. And why do you suppose that that is? I believe it's because prayer is vitally important. I said prayer is vitally important. If there is something that we could consider a lost art in the church today, that is the significance of and the power of prayer. Somebody say amen. And so God invites us to pray. It was certainly modeled in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ on how to pray because prayer is vitally important. And we can learn a lot from studying the different prayers that are in the Bible. We can also learn a lot about the attitudes of the people praying and how God responds to the prayers of His people. Can I tell you that attitude, a lot of times, is everything. Hello. If your children ask you to do something and they have the right attitude about it, you're most likely going to try to accommodate whatever that request is if they do it out of a good attitude. But when your children have a rotten, stinking attitude, come on somebody, and they have a request that they're almost demanding you to do, you are much less likely to accommodate that request because of the attitude, right? That's the same way that it works in mine and your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of times, attitude is everything. So today as we begin to look at some of those things, we're going to begin a series that will primarily focus for the next several weeks on the prayer of Jabez. Now, Dr. Bruce Wilkinson, if you've ever heard of him, has written a book on this specific prayer that I highly recommend uh, to you to read. It's a short book, but I'll be sharing some things from that book with you throughout this series. When I was first introduced to this prayer from Scripture all of those years ago when he wrote his book in 2000, the year 2000, 20 years ago, uh, when I was first introduced to this prayer, I was rather skeptical, really. If I would be transparent with you, I was very skeptical. And I'll outline some of those reasons why just a little later on. But as I read Dr. Wilkinson's book, and I looked at how we could implement some of the principles that are found in prayer, I became more and more excited about what God can do through a body of believers who pray. Not just what God can do through a body of believers, somebody help me this morning, but what God can do through a body of believers who pray. 
And so over the next four weeks after today, we're going to examine the four parts of this prayer. But this morning, however, we're going to take just an overview of the life of and the prayer of Jabez in order to lay some background for what we're going to be studying for the next several weeks. And here's my hope. My hope in this is that you will become as stirred and as encouraged about the might and the power of the God whom we pray to as I have became. And my purpose is to introduce you to a person through the scripture and a prayer that can have a significant impact on your relationship with the Lord if you will allow Him to work in your life as He did in the life of of Jabez. So I want to ask the ushers if they will right now to begin to pass out some cards to every adult uh, in the sanctuary. Now if you were here in the first service you can just let them know. I know we have a handful of people that were here in the first service as well because they played or sang or whatnot. But every single adult in the sanctuary is going to get one of these cards. What I did was I had the prayer this week printed on some business cards And I want every single one of you, every adult, to have your own. And here's what I want to ask you to do as they're bringing it around to you. I want to ask you to keep this somewhere that you will see it. You will have to look at it every day, particularly for the remainder of our 21-day fast, but also throughout the remainder of this series. I want you to place it somewhere where, where you will see it every day. For some of you, that may be taking a magnet and clipping it to your refrigerator. Uh, for others, that may be putting it in your wallet. For some people, that may be putting it on the mirror in your car uh, or on the instrument display in your car, maybe on your desk at work. Wherever it might be that it will cause you to look at it every single day, I want you to place it there so that you will have it and you will be reminded every day of this powerful prayer. Now I have some extra of these that we'll give out to folks that maybe didn't make it this week, but if you have somebody else you want to take one to, you let us know, we'll give you one, you can take it to them. But now that everybody's got one, I want you to look at this together. Now, before we get to verse 10 in the scripture, what I read to you before said in verse 9 that Jabez was more honorable than his, than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Now I want us to look at verse 10, a little different translation on your card, so we'll read from the card. In verse 10, it says, Jabez called on the God of Israel. I'll tell you what, let's do this. Read it with me. Jabez called on the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Now what I want us to focus on today are three aspects of this passage. The first one is who? The person. His name. What was his name? The last time that I preached to you before Christmas, on December the 23rd, I preached a sermon and I talked about how all biblical names had significance and they had meaning. And we introduced the name which you've heard many, many times that was given to the divine Christ child, the name Emmanuel, and what that name means. That name means God with us and Glory be to God. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful still today what I preached on the 23rd. He's still with us. Is anybody else thankful for that today? He is still with us. So 
names in the Bible had significant meaning. They had, they had meaning tied to the name. They didn't just name, you didn't just name your daughter Candace because you like the name Candace. You named them that because it had a specific meaning. So remember that. Now there's some other names in Scripture that we would want to avoid. Names like the name Ichabod. How many knows what that means? The name Ichabod, if you don't know what that means, means the glory has departed. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want the name Ichabod written upon me or my household. Do you? I don't ever want the name Ichabod written upon my children. And I certainly don't ever want to see the name Ichabod written over this church, right? Because we need the glory, the ongoing glory and the presence of God. Let me hear an amen. So this main character in our passage today, he had one of those kinds of names. His name was Jabez. Jabez was actually the Hebrew word for pain. Now think about that. That's a name for you. Could you imagine that being your name and you walking down the street and somebody saying, Hey, pain, what's up? Let's go have some coffee. Or how many friends do you think a guy like that had growing up? Because now listen, children are cruel sometimes. And I threw this out at 845 and it's not in my notes, so it's only fair that I throw it out to the 11 o'clock crowd because it is free. It doesn't cost you anything. But in the day and hour that we're living in now, I just feel like I need to throw this out there. Children are cruel sometimes, yes, but children are also rude sometimes. And I don't like hearing parents say, well, they're just outspoken or they just speak their mind. No, they're just rude. And they need the rod. Because you spare the rod and you spoil the child. Hello, somebody. I won't linger too long on that because I'll make some of you mad and you won't listen to the rest of what i got to say. So I'll move on right there. But children are cruel sometimes, particularly to each other. And I can just imagine... This poor guy being the brunt of kids' jokes. Anybody ever make fun of names of other kids when you were little? Anybody ever hear, if you don't want to admit that, anybody ever hear some other people make fun of names of children when they were little? I mean, Dustin Rose still makes fun of people today. I mean, you know, yeah. I'm just kidding. I have to give him a hard time. He's one of the funniest Facebook friends I have. That's all I'll, that's all I'll say there. He's hilarious. But I can just imagine this poor guy being the brunt of children's jokes. And also, now, we did this thing when I was in school that a lot of our kids don't know anything about today. Does anybody remember what it was like to actually go outside and play on the playground? And, like, actually spend some time out there. Not like a seven-minute recess. Go swing from the monkey bar and we'll go back in. No, we actually spent some time on the playground. We had time out there. And I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, that's where we had to do our fighting. That's where we had to do our defending ourselves. Because, you know, we'd, we'd just be like, you just wait till recess today. I'll meet you on the playground. No, I wasn't that guy, I promise you. I was the guy who had to defend himself on the playground. But also, there were these playground songs. Anybody ever remember when kids would make up songs about somebody else and make fun of them and sing little songs out there? Well, the only thing that we can speculate here about Jabez and about his name was that his... Now, everybody knows, well, I won't say everybody because I'm a man and I've never had one and none of you men have ever had one, but let's say I think every woman in the room will know that if you're going to have a baby, you're going to have some pain. Can I hear an amen, ladies? That's... That was your all's opportunity to really, like, shake the rafters. Like, 
Normally, y'all tell us we don't know what it's like, right? So, ladies, if you're going to have a baby, you're going to go through some pain. Amen. Thank you. So, you expect that. So, why I'm bringing that out is the, the fact that she named her son Jabez, there must have been, the pain must have been so excruciating that it caused her to name him in such a way that it would always be a constant reminder of the pain that he brought to her when he came in to this world. Now, I don't know about you, but I can think of a lot better ways to remember my children by, right? Every time his mother called him in for dinner. See, when I was a kid, we had 10 acres, and we used to, I, back in that day, I played out in the woods, like daylight till dark when school was out in the summer, like, now, you don't let your kids out of your sight because somebody will take them or abduct them or do something to them or you won't see them again. But back then, I just went out in those woods and we didn't worry about copperheads and rattlesnakes and all that stuff. The copperheads were there, but I just went out in those woods and I played all day for hours at a time. And believe it or not, I was a lot skinnier than I am now, so I'd go like all day without eating and then Mama would call out the back door. See, right now, now I don't go past, I don't go very long at all without eating, but anyway, Mama would call out the back door and she would say, Hey, Sean, supper's ready. Come on in and get it. Well, can you imagine this Jabez? Every time his mom called for him for any reason, hey, pain, come and eat. Think about it. The pain must have been so significant that she constantly reminded not only him but herself of the pain that he brought into her life. So his name is worth noting, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later on in the message. Just remember that. Now I want us to talk a little bit about his circumstances. From what I can gather from my study... Jabez, at the time of this request, at the time of this prayer that's printed on this card, he was in the process of expelling the Canaanites from the land the Lord had promised to Israel. See, he was doing the work that God had given him to do, and so he was asking the Lord to help him accomplish it. Because removing the Canaanites from Israel was no easy task. As a matter of fact, it was a long struggle. And in fact, some were not pushed out because many of the Israelites, the Bible tells us they lost heart and they turned to idols. They gave up in the fight. They got weary in their well-doing and so they quit and they turned back. So here we have Jabez trying to do what God commands even when others have lost heart and given up. He cries out to God for help. Can I tell you that sometimes there can be other people. See, the Canaanites were occupying the territory that God had promised to Jabez and to Israel. Sometimes there can be territory that God has promised to you and your family or that God has promised to us as a church that is being occupied by somebody else that God did not promise it to. And it's up to you and I to get in our prayer closet and ask God to make a way to enlarge our territory, to drive out the ones that are not supposed to be there, and to help us occupy what he's already said we could have. Can I hear an amen? And so he's just trying to do what God commanded him to do. When other people had just lost heart and given up and they had walked away, he cries out to God for help. Time and time throughout this Bible, we read where people cried out to God for help. 
I can't share all of them this morning. I even backed some of them back out of my notes early at 6 o'clock this morning because I thought you don't have time for all that. I'm just going to share a few for you. If you want to write these scriptures down, I'm not going to have them on the screen. You can go back and read them later or go back and watch the archive and jot them down and, and, and read them then. But in Exodus, we're talking about time and time throughout the Bible, we read where people cried out to God for help. In Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23, and in Exodus 14 and 10, the sons of Israel were in bondage, the Bible says, and they cried out to God for help. In Exodus 17 and verse 4, the Bible records that Moses cried out to the Lord. In Judges 3 and verse 9, chapter 4 and verse 3, and chapter 6 and verse 7, we read again that the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord and we read that God moved every single time in every one of those passages. In 1 Samuel 7 and 9, we read that Samuel cried out to the Lord and the Bible says he heard him. In 1 Chronicles chapter 5, the sons of Reuben, the Gadites, and half of the tribe of Manasseh cried out to God in the middle of the battle. And the word said that he indeed heard their prayer because they put their trust in him. Can I tell you this morning that sometimes you're not winning the battle that you're trying to fight because you are trying to fight it in yourself instead of getting in your prayer closet and realizing the battle is not yours to fight. It's the Lord's and if you'll let Him fight it for you, He will win it every single time. Somebody give the Lord some praise. In Nehemiah chapter 4, Nehemiah cried out, the Bible says, to the Lord, and he heard him, and Nehemiah was able to build the wall. Did you hear what your pastor said? He had the vision to build the wall, but in Nehemiah chapter 4, he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard him, and therefore Nehemiah built the wall. In 2 Chronicles chapter 14, we read that Asa cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard him, and he struck the Ethiopians and they were overthrown and then when you go to the book of Psalms, I love the book of Psalms in Psalms chapter 3 David said, I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me out of his holy hill. Again in Psalms 18 and verse 6 David said, in my distress I called upon the Lord and I cried out unto my God and he heard me from his temple he didn't just get in his prayer closet and just have a little pitter-patter prayer. He didn't just get in his car on the way to work and say, now Lord, help me to have a good day. No, the Bible says, in my distress. Do you know, does anybody in the house know what it is to be in distress? He said, in my distress I called upon the Lord and I cried out to my God and he heard me from his temple in Psalms 34 and 6 he said this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles in Psalm 61 and verse 2 he said from the ends of the earth will I call unto you when my heart is overwhelmed lead me to the rock that is higher than I and even Jesus himself in the garden of Gethsemane, he cried out to God and he prayed. The Bible said until his sweat became as great drops of blood. Can I tell you that there is something powerful 
about this thing we so often take for granted called prayer. I said there is something powerful about this thing that we too often take for granted called prayer. There are multiple instances in the Bible that prove the power of prayer. Again, I can't share them all, but I'll share a few with you. When Hannah was infertile, she prayed, and the Bible says the Lord gave her a son. When Hezekiah's people were under siege, he prayed, and the Bible says that night the Lord killed 85,000 Assyrian soldiers, and he caused the rest to give up the fight. A little later on in life, Hezekiah was about to die and he prayed another prayer, a different prayer. And the Bible says the Lord added 15 years to his life. Before Jairus' daughter died, he asked Jesus, he sought the Lord and asked him to heal her. But she died before the Lord got there. But that wasn't the end of the story. When Jesus got there, he raised her from the dead. When Moses asked God to show him his glory, as they were singing this morning that the, the veil was rent, the doors flung wide, I see glory as I run inside when Moses asked God to show him his glory, the Lord allowed Moses to look on just the back side of the Lord. And the Bible said that from the glory that he saw just off of the Lord's backside, he didn't even see his face. But he saw so much glory that his face, Moses' face, shone so bright that he had to wear a veil for the other people to be able to look upon him. What are you saying? pastor I'm saying oh I would to God that we would seek the glory of God just until God would allow us to see just enough just a glimpse of his presence that would put a glow on your face that would radiate and penetrate the powers of darkness when Peter was in prison the Bible says the church prayed and the Lord sent an angel to release him and let him out and then we also read that when the 120 gathered together in the upper room, you see, they knew that there was a promise that had been given that they would be endued with power. But they had not experienced that power yet. So they prayed until they did. Back when I was a kid growing up in the Southern Baptist Church, I recall many times that when somebody came to the altar to get saved, they may pray five minutes, they may pray ten minutes, and I even saw them in that little country Baptist church pray 15 minutes. Why? Because they didn't get up until they knew that the Lord had saved them. When I first got into Pentecost, I remember a time when people used to come to the altar with the attitude of Jacob. As Jacob did when he wrestled with the Lord, they would come to the altar with that attitude and they would tarry and they would pray and they would say, God, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. And they would pray until they prayed through. Now when you say prayed through today, people say, what on earth does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means you pray until you know you've touched heaven and you pray until you know heaven has touched 
just you. If there's anything missing in the church today, we cannot come into a formalistic, legalistic, uh, traditional type program whereby we just chant and recite these little things. None of this is even in my notes. But my God, if we would get back to the place to where we get a hold and grab hold of the horns of the altar and we say, God, I'm not giving up till you save so-and-so. God, I'm not going to quit praying till you completely heal so-and-so. God, I'm not going to get up. I'm going to tarry here until you endue me with the power that you promised we could have. If there's anything missing in the church, it's that. I came here to tell somebody this morning, it works. I said it works. There is power in this thing called prayer. So now back to Jabez. When he cried out to God to bless him, he wasn't just looking at his possessions like the rich fool in Jesus' parable who had so much that he tore down his barns to hold it all. Not aware that God would take his life before he could even enjoy his possessions. Folks, this life is not about possessions. Jabez was not asking for that at all. What Jabez was asking was for everything that God had for him. And he was also asking for God's help to do his part. Now, I don't know about you, but I need God's help to do my part. And But here's the key. We find it in the first part of verse 9. If he'll put verse 9 back on the screen, here's the key. It says, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. It's something called character. Say character. And we've already talked about his name and about how the context of names could determine the outcome of somebody's life. And if there was ever a guy who could be bitter, it was Jabez. His very name could have driven him to a life of hate and a life of bitterness. Now, I debated about whether or not to share this because it just kind of came to my mind and I shared it at 8.45, so here you go. Anybody in here know who Johnny Cash is? Can I get a witness? There's an old song by Johnny Cash that some of you will know. These young people won't have a clue, but Google it. You'll find it. It's out there. A Boy Named Sue. How many remember that song? Written by Johnny Cash. Now, am I endorsing that song? No, I'll, I'll give you the disclaimer I gave them this morning. The opinions addressed in A Boy Named Sue are not necessarily the opinion, opinions of Pastor Sean Disney and Freedom Point Church. Why? Because it says some not-so-nice words in the story. But here's the story. The story is about a boy who was named Sue. And it Could you imagine, guys? Listen, I... I'd do what Shelby did. When he's in about second grade, he, he started going by his middle name. There was a little girl at school named Shelby, so he just told everybody, third, he went to third grade, my name's Isaac. That's his middle name. We started getting notes from school. Isaac needs to do this. Isaac needs to I'm like, what on earth? What? That's his middle name. He, he said, well, I just told the teacher and everybody it was a new year. I told them all, my name's Isaac. If I was named Sue, I'd do the same thing. If, it wasn't, if, if I didn't have a boy's middle name, I'd make something up. Amen, somebody. But it, it, just, it drives Sue to become bitter. It drives him to become mean. It drives him to become tough. And he seeks revenge on his father who named him this awful name before he leaves. He finally finds the father later who had long since abandoned the family. He finds the father 
in a bar, and he beats him up, and he comes within a breath of killing him. And the father then explains that life is tough. And he knew he was leaving, and he named the boy Sue so he would learn to be tough in this mean old world that we live in. Now, I would venture to guess that we could all think of better ways to make our children tough. Somebody say amen. But can I tell you something this morning? Why did you say all that, Pastor? Sometimes you've got to get past the name that somebody else has given you. Your past does not have to determine your destiny. Your past does not have to determine your future. You got to get past the name that somebody else has given you. It may not be the name. I hope it's not the name that your mama or daddy gave you. But it, you're going to have to get past the name of somebody else that they have given you because they didn't hear the other side of the story. Hello. You're going to have to get past them calling you a liar when all they know is what somebody else told them. Hello, somebody. You're going to have to get past them calling you a cheater or a thief when all they know is one side of what somebody else told them. You're going to have to get past them telling people that you were the one that was difficult to live with. Hello, somebody. They didn't live with you. They don't know. They don't have the right to give you that name. But you've got to get past it. How do you get past it? You've got to learn to be okay with them not knowing your side of the story. You've got to learn to put it in God's hands and trust God and don't accept that name. Don't receive that name. But just give it to God and watch God prove what your real real name is. Watch God prove what your real character is and who He has called you to be. Your past does not have to determine your future. So Jabez, rather than letting his name determine his destiny, he rose above his name. And the Bible says he became a man of noble nature. That tells me that you don't have to let the name that somebody else assigns to you determine your destiny. But you can give yourself to God and in doing so, you can become all that God wants you to be and all that He wants to make of you. Jesus said in His parable of the sower that the good soil represented those with a noble heart who hear the Word, who retain it, and with perseverance they produce a crop. Apparently, Jabez was such a guy. And that is why in the midst of nine chapters of genealogies, he gets this special mention. He was a man of noble character. Now, that's the who. Let's move on to the what. The what is the prayer? I want to take just a few moments to look at this prayer, but we're not going to go into great detail because we're going to be spending the next few weeks on it. But the, the first things that I want to point out to you is that the prayer has four parts. The first part is, oh, that you would bless me. Here, Jabez is asking God to open his treasure store of blessing for Jabez. Can I tell you something this morning? It is not wrong for you to ask for God's blessing if you're asking with the right attitude. It is not wrong for you to ask for God's blessing. Because I want to tell you something. You definitely don't want to ask for His cursing. And you definitely don't want to ask for justice. You definitely want to ask for mercy and grace. And it's okay to ask for His blessing. The next part is, enlarge my territory. This is his prayer to God to help him 
as he staked out this property in the wake of the Canaanites leaving the country. This part of the prayer also has some other implications. We're going to look at those in the coming weeks. But this prayer was that you would enlarge my territory. As I talked about earlier, sometimes other things are occupying the territory that God has promised to you. The third part of the prayer is to let your hand be with me. And this is a recognition of Jabez's need for God's working and God's and his and Jabez's reliance on God's power and provision of strength and resources. Let your hand be with me. And number four, protect me. This is an obvious plea for protection from pain and from harm. And those are the four parts of that prayer that we'll cover in more detail in the coming weeks. But I, I want to tell you that this is why the, when the text went out, it said during the 21-day fast, here's how I want you to pray. I want you to pray for God's hand of blessing and God, God's hand of protection upon you and your family. And then I want you to pray for God's hand of blessing and God hand, God's hand of protection upon Freedom Point Church. Before we close today, I want to look at a really brief analysis of this prayer because I want to help us get a clear picture of the nature of this prayer. First of all, let's look at what the prayer is, what it is. This prayer is at its most basic level, it's a plea to Almighty God to move on the behalf of Jabez. That's what you're praying for. It's a recognition that without the hand of God in his life, he would have a very difficult way to go. Things would be very difficult for him. And I don't just mean the removing of the enemies from the promised land. Life in general it was going to be very difficult for him. It was also a cry. It was a cry that we've just talked about to the only one who could make the mountains move. The only one who could go before Israel and the only one who was able to bring the blessings that were promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and that were renewed again through Moses. It's a prayer to acknowledge Jabez's helplessness in the face of this task. Acknowledging, I can't do this by myself. And also, it's a prayer admitting his need for God to work. A request for God to intervene so he could accomplish the work that God had given him to do. That's a bit about what the prayer is. Now let's look about what the prayer is not. Now, here's where I said I would share more with you. If you are like me and you were a little bit skeptical about this prayer and all the publicity that it received after the first time that you heard it. Dr. Wilkinson wrote his book in 2000. And in the year 2000, I was just a young man who had been married for about three, four years who loved the Lord and I was serving as a volunteer youth choir director in my church at the time. And I didn't quite understand this prayer and more particularly the book and all of the attention that it was getting. And my first impression, I remember, is the impression that many have. It may be some of the impression that some of you had today when he was like, oh, he's preaching on the prayer of Jabez. It, it's just a, uh, an impression that it's just another proof text of the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that we hear preached today. And it's just another proof text of the name it and claim it crowd who feel like they can make demands upon God for blessing. Can I tell you, I'm here to tell you this morning, that is not what this prayer is at all. But what I'm right, while I'm right here, let me say this to you. You cannot order God around in your prayers. There's a little saying that goes around that says, you're not the boss of me. I came to tell somebody this morning, we're not the boss of God. You cannot order God around in your prayers. That is not what I'm preaching. So you make sure you understand that. But that is not what this prayer is at all. This prayer is a plea for the Lord to intervene so that we can accomplish His purpose. Say His purpose. 
It's also not a mantra type of prayer that we're to recite mindlessly in hopes of God answering because we're faithful in chanting and recanting all the words just right. And many people have accused Dr. Wilkinson of promoting just that in this book. But he does encourage us to pray this prayer every day, but not as a mindless mantra. He encourages us to pray this every day as a daily reminder and an invitation to allow God to work in us and through us. Can I tell you in this day that we live in, if we need anything in this church, we need God to work first of all in us individually and then through us. Say amen somebody. It's not a magical formula to get God to act on our behalf. It is merely an acknowledgement of God and His power to act and asking God to do so. Listen, not for our glory. Not to build a name for Freedom Point Church. Not to build a name for Pastor Sean. Or HSM, MSM, ESM, or NPK. Aren't y'all glad I finally got all those right? Or any of their leaders. It's not about building anything like that. It's a prayer asking God to act not for our glory but for His as we seek to accomplish His work. Listen church, God doesn't owe us anything. God doesn't owe any of us anything. He's already done everything that He needs to do for you or I when He gave His life on a cross at Calvary. He doesn't owe us anything else and we cannot hope to manipulate Him by praying any prayer. As a matter of fact, 1 John tells us that the kind of prayer that God hears and answers are prayers that are prayed according to His will. I'm almost finished. So before you go and pray this prayer, I want you to take it. Post it where you'll see it every day. Before you go and pray this prayer, I want you to check your motives and ask God to help you pray with God-pleasing motives when you pray this prayer. When we pray this prayer every day, we ought to be constantly reminded of the might and the power of God. And we ought to be even awed that He would allow us, mere little us, to be a part of His mighty working that He's doing right here. And that He's doing in this community and around the world. A God-sized working around the world cannot happen until a God-sized working happens in your life. Then it happens, after it's happened in your life, then it'll happen in the church, because you are the church. Then after it's happened in the church, it'll happen in the community. And then after it's happened in the community, it'll spread to the Tri-County area, the state. could be a national or a global thing, but none of it's going to happen unless it starts right here. So here's the key to this prayer. The key is trust in God who is able. Now we've looked at the who in the person of Jabez and the what in the form of the prayer, but now let's move on to the why. And I'm going to close in just a few moments. Why? The purpose. Why look at this particular prayer in this kind of detail and why pray this specific prayer? What is its purpose? First of all, I want us to look at Jabez's purpose. We've covered that this is Uh, We covered this in a good bit of detail, but let me just summarize by saying that his purpose, again, was to invite God to do his mighty work as Jabez sought to conquer the land that was promised by God to the Israelites, recognizing his need for the hand of God upon his life. But now let's look for a moment at our purpose. In other words, why should we pray this prayer? Why are you preaching this to us? The answer is really very simple. 
Can I tell you that we have a huge work to do in this community? I was reminded this week that when we planted this church over six and a half years ago, that there was a small team of maybe 15, 20 people, something like that. I guess that's a good size team. But anyway, somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe 12, who went out on a Saturday into this community. We didn't go anywhere this direction. We just went from here to the bottom of the hill across from American Greeting. I stopped at the apartments. We didn't even go to the trailers. Just from here to there, we knocked on over 400 doors to 400 homes right there. And six and a half years ago, only 100 of those over 400 people told us that they were part of a church anywhere. Folks, can I tell you that this is a serious thing, that we should mean business about God's business. I began to think about how many of those 300 lost homes have we won in this community over those last six and a half years. We've won some. We've won a handful of those, but how many of those did we not win? Can I tell you that this is not just a social gathering on Sundays, hello somebody, where you can come in and hear something, hear some great music, hear a word that may encourage you, go out and be on about your life and be in a good mood all week because you've been here. That's wonderful, but that's not what this is about. This is a work that we need to be serious about. This is a calling and an assignment, a divine assignment from God to this church. And if you are part of this church, we've got a lost community all around us that are dying and going to hell on a daily basis and God is looking for somebody who will say God give us this territory for the kingdom let us lead them to the Lord even if they don't end up hear me coming to Freedom Point Church to worship let us lead them to the Lord and let them become a part of the kingdom of God I'm telling you if we'll get serious with God and if we'll petition his throne and if we'll grab a hold of the horns of the altar and say God I'm asking you to do it I'm telling you you can stand back and watch God will send them like the prophecy said on December 23rd I'll send them from the north the south the east and the west God will do it shout amen the answer is very simple we got a huge work to do in this area and we need the mighty hand of God working in our individual lives and on behalf of this church or we cannot accomplish it. I want to close with one passage of scripture if they'll quickly come to the music this morning, this afternoon. A very, very familiar passage of scripture. Psalms chapter 127 verses 1 and 2. He said, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. I like what it says in verse 2. Listen, it says, It's vain for you to rise up early, sit up late, and to eat the bread of sorrows, because he gives his beloved sleep. What's that mean? I'll tell you what it means. If church is wearing you out, you need to check your motives and your priorities. Oh, that was quiet. If church is wearing you out, or you're too tired or too busy to get serious about God's business, you need to check your motives and your priorities. Because when we give it to God, 
It says he gives his beloved sleep. He'll give us rest. And guess what he does while he's giving us rest? He's the one that's building the house. Verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Again, in this passage of Scripture, it's a conscious invitation to God to work and a confession that without Him, we don't stand a chance in reaching this area for Him. And here's the key. Why, Pastor? And I'm getting ready to close. Why did you, why did you preach this? What's the point of this sermon series? Why did you print up these cards and you want us to look at them every day? Because I want you to know something. If you don't hear anything else I said today, when you take this home and look at it, you read that last sentence, and God granted His request. I want you to remember something. You and I pray to the same God that Jabez prayed to. And if God did it for Jabez because he prayed it with the right attitude and the right heart, I'm telling you, you pray, you lift up your prayer to God, Pray that God would move in you and through you. And I am telling you, you watch Him do it. He will do it. God's allowed me to share the gospel with people I would have never approached on my own. He's allowed me to minister to people who are outside my normal circle of influence. That's awesome. But I can't do it without Him. I look back there this morning and I see John Boyd sitting back there. And I'm reminded that God just gave me the boldness to talk to him a little bit at the gym. And just a small conversation turned into that bench in the men's locker room becoming an altar with people going in and coming out, coming out and going in while we prayed. And if something happens to John Boyd since that day, he's ready to go to heaven. <laughs> I said he's ready to go to heaven. Why? Because of me? No. No, because of God. But God just needs a vessel. God's looking for us to make ourselves willing and available. So I'm going to ask you if you will stand with me all over the house this morning. As we close, I want to remind you of the three keys to this message. First, the reason that God answered the prayer of Jabez is because Jabez was a noble person. He had the right attitude. God is the one that makes that happen. I said, God is the one that makes that happen. You pray about your heart and your attitude, God will make it right. Secondly, the prayer of Jabez is not a prayer of greed, but rather it's a prayer of trust in the God who is able to make anything happen for His glory. I have a vision to see a church that is moving forward and advancing the kingdom of God in this area. I have a vision that we don't just come in week by week and just have church as usual and entertain those who want to be entertained. Don't get offended at me when I say this. It's not about style of music. It's not about whether we sing it off the wall or out of the hymn book. It's not about whether we preach out of the King James or the English Standard Version. Hello. What it's about is that we're advancing the kingdom of God and that we're reaching the lost. Now, here's what I want you to do today. Thirdly, be reminded, first of all, I got ahead of myself. Thirdly, 
we pray to the same God as Jabez. He's the same God who wants us to trust Him to move for His purpose. That's the key, His purpose. So I want to ask you, first of all, every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's anybody in this room today that says, Pastor, I don't know that I'm ready to meet the Lord. You're talking about praying this prayer, making myself available. I don't even know that, that I'm saved. I don't even know that I'm ready to meet the Lord should I go out into eternity today. If that is you in this house, would you please slip your hand up and just put it back down with nobody looking around. Just slip your hand up. I don't, I don't know that I'm ready. Just slip your hand up and put it back down. Anybody in the house? It's wonderful. Look at me. It's wonderful to have a house full of believers this morning. Now here's what I want you to do. This is where I want you to step out of your comfort zone. I know it gets crowded and we'll come as close to the front as we can. But I want you to just take your card, put it in your hand, the one they gave you. We're not going to do anything fancy or anything uncomfortable. But I want you to just simply take that card and I want you to just step out from where you are and bring it with you and just stand at this altar. It's going to be full. Be standing room only right now. Just go ahead and take your card. Step out. Stand in this altar until it's full in the front and then those in the back, just get as close as you can. I know this is a little different. But I promise you it'll be good for you. Just take that card in your hand. And for just a few moments while they sing, I want you in your own way to just read. That's why I had it printed for you. I want you to read it. And I want you to think about it. And I want you to take where it says Jabez. And I want you to insert your name. If you will, step on a little closer. Just so that those that are trying to get up here can. Thank you so much. Y'all come on. Just insert your name as you pray. In that place. Remind yourself of the word and remind yourself that you're praying to the same God that Jabez prayed for, prayed to. Because I'm believing in 2020, some of you have lost family that are going to be saved. I'm believing in 2020, some of you are going to experience miraculous, mind-blowing healings. I believe that. I believe in 2020, some of you are going to see God's hand upon your business and He's going to prosper you like never before because you had the right attitude and you asked for the prosperity to bless the kingdom of God. I believe God's going to do that, but you've got to insert your name in here and I want you to pray for God's hand of blessing and protection over you and your family and then God's hand of blessing and protection upon this church. Would you do that as they sing right now? I want you to just read that card and then begin to pray that.